As a kid, you feel like you don't have a voice. But now that I have kids, I I want to make sure they know they have a voice. But after my daughter, I was very emotional, very depressed. And I never thought of it like that. And then, you know, postpartum. And I never thought it would happen to me or that would be something that I would go through. I think as a woman, you want to think, you want to feel like you have it all together. It, I was just very overwhelmed. And I'm, I'm the type that wouldn't want to admit that I needed help. And when I seeked help, it really did help me. Hey everybody, let's welcome Anita Gia to the show. She is a mother, she is a wife, and she is also the owner of Bonita Body Lab, where she focuses on body sculpting, wood therapy, and more. Anita is such a strong support system for her family, her clients, and her community within the Nebraska area. I can't wait to share with you her processes and her resources that she used during her own mental health journey. So let's go ahead and get into the story. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Self-Awareness Podcast. We have Anita here. I'm so excited to hear her story and just hear what insights she has to say about her mental health journey. And let's go ahead and get into the story. Anita, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm so excited to do this with you. Hello everyone, Um, my name is Anita. I live in Nebraska. I am actually the owner of Bonita Body Lab, which is a body sculpting business. Um, And I've been doing it for a couple years now. I have four kids married and yes, I was born and raised here in Nebraska. I like sharing with my clients and my friends and family. The reason why I decided to do body sculpting is actually because I learned a lot about the back end of plastic surgery. I have never gotten anything done, but um, I think plastic surgery, not every case, but in most cases, it probably stems from low self-esteem, which after having four kids, I felt like I had. And so I did research and that's kind of where it built from there. I was very curious. I went and would do body sculpting. I kind of chickened out as far as the plastic surgery part of it. I did my own research. I started booking where I could when I was on vacation or anywhere else where, because Nebraska didn't offer it. So I'm one of the main body sculptors in Nebraska. So that's another reason why I was like, we need this here. But it was also opportunity for me to connect with other girls that wanted to be comfortable in their own skin, because I felt like that helped me be comfortable in my own skin and feel like, okay, there's something out there that I can do to help myself, my self-esteem. I'm able to share that with all my clients and friends, which I think helps them open up. And it's funny because my sessions almost end up sounding like therapy sessions. We end up talking a lot of personal mm-hmm. stuff, getting to know each other. Um, but yeah, overall, like I've been in retail. I've, I have a bachelor's background in business management. And then it all came, I guess, full circle. I'm a business owner, but I'm doing something that I hope has a cause to help other girls. And it's really helped me too. <laughs> I love that. That's so special. And I love how you touched on uh, the confidence that like the body sculpting gave you, but also how it helps build confidence for other women and clients that you work with. Uh, And also connecting how you're basically creating a bond between you and your clients. And, you know, it's it's not just a place where you're there. 
uh, receiving a service and you're providing a service, you're also providing a safe space where um, these clients feel comfortable uh, expressing about how they feel, maybe even emotionally or about what's going on personally. So this is a really amazing service that you offer because it's not just uh, physical, it's also um, an emotional benefit. So that's really awesome to hear how you started that journey and, and to see where you are now. So one of the first questions I like to ask is, when we start our mental health journey, we may not even remember how we experienced mental health or how we perceived it when we were young. Is there an example of like maybe uh, seeing mental illness or mental diagnosis or even just day-to-day stresses that you remember seeing growing up or remember the first time you've pretty much perceived mental health? Yeah, I think, I don't know, growing up in a Hispanic household, I think sometimes motions weren't really like felt there or, you know, a priority. I come from a loving home, um, but after graduating high school, my parents decided to get a divorce. And the weird thing is that I had peace about it because growing up, after I was born, my my dad was never like physical, but he was, I was told he was abusive to my mom before I was born. But um, seeing just their problems, I think it played a role on like my, me mentally. Like I was always worried. I was always like knew when they had an argument, it was a fight. Like as a young kid, like I think that builds inside of you like more worry. Because I, as I was growing up, I became more anxious and more of a worrier and what ifs. And, you know, like I do want to say I had a very caring mom and dad just growing up, eventually seeing that after so many years. And then they got a divorce when I was leaving um, home after uh, high school. I felt like that was a point, like I looked back and I'm like, wow, that like had a big impact in my life. But at the same time, I was actually relieved too, that my parents were going to be happy. But my life, like I, I feel like I had a pretty much a normal upbringing, you know, nothing very dramatic, but I think over time, seeing the difficulties in my parents' marriage, I think that kind of like always laid on my shoulders very, you know, like heavy because I always felt like I had to be the the one to resolve things. Growing up, I like now that I have my own kids, I don't want them to see that. I mean, arguments are normal. Like I'm married, we have arguments here and there, but nothing ever really serious. I just know how to approach it differently now. And I've learned from that. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. And I like how you pointed out. Well, it it almost makes me assume, correct me if I'm wrong, that it was the way maybe not what your parents said specifically when they're in the arguments, but how you felt and not being able to put a, a word with that emotion or just define maybe you were feeling stressed or worried because that's what the argument was about. And like you said, these arguments are common. It's just as children, um, sometimes we don't understand that it's normal to have those feelings. And, um, and then when they're not addressed as far as uh, terminology or things that we can talk about, it's kind of something that sits with us. And I can see, Anita, how that carried on, uh, be something that you thought about and um, were very aware of as you became a, a parent for yourself and pretty much just remembering those feelings of how you felt as a child and wanting to move forward of there's different ways to approach these situations. And like you said, life is common. It's always going to happen. But it's 
how you can express it between yourself and also your loved ones. And could you maybe share whatever you're comfortable with, but give us an example of how to share uh, your children or someone around you may feel something, but instead of not talking about it, what's, what's an example maybe you do to just put it into words or make it into a conversation? Yes. I think the one thing is like, as a kid, you feel like you don't have a voice. So like with my kids, like I am very affectionate and I have teenagers, so they're not as affectionate, but I have to, in this day and age, I think kids go through so much more and differently and I don't ever want to miss a signal or a chance for them to communicate with me. So like I am very bold and so is my kids' dad. We tell them, if there's anything on your mind, please share it with us. And, like, I have three boys, and my daughter's the youngest, so she's little, but we don't really have had to have those conversations with her yet. But with my husband, like, he takes the time to, like, be one-on-one with the boys. Because then he, he'll come back to me. He's like, maybe they didn't want to tell you, or don't don't be hard on them for this. Because I am the, the tougher parent. <laughs> I You know, like, I'm more strict. But um, now we're looking back at me being a child, I don't feel like I had as a big voice because, you know, it's just, you're learning. You don't know how, but now that I have kids, I, I want to make sure they know they have a voice, you know? So me personally, I am very affectionate with my kids. I try to give them hugs, you know, let them know I love them every day. And I, I verbally tell them, I'm like, Hey, if there's anything going on at school or you feel a certain way, anything happening, please be open and let us know. Because I think there's so many cases like of mental issues, like it happens way too often where, I mean, just a week ago, a young kid and my nephews in high school, he committed suicide. And that concerns me because I don't want my kids to ever feel like something is so bad that they can't come to me. So that's why I make it a point like you guys have to like if and I tell them, if you don't feel comfortable telling me, we'll find someone else, a family member, a counselor. You know, I think it's so important that I, they know that it's open enough. Like they have to feel comfortable to come to tell us anything and everything. I love that. That's so special. I think that's so impactful that you instill that in your children uh, from a young age, even to the age that they are now as teenagers. And actually, especially as teenagers, as you were saying through your example, that you're consistently telling them, uh, you can talk to me, you can talk to your dad, you can talk to other adult that you trust and, you know, just making it verbally known. And, and I can already assume and feel like, as if you're talking to me, that if you were telling me that thing, that you're, you know, putting your body language into it, building the trust that is a safe space and um, that it's okay to be vulnerable and talk about that. And so thank you so much for sharing that example. I think that that's such a perfect example, especially with with like you said, like teenagers at a younger age, they may not feel comfortable sharing to adults, to their parents, but you always give um, them an option to uh, open up whenever they're ready. And I think that's just such an amazing skill to instill on your kids, but also just practice with yourself. And I'm sure other close family members or friends, you do the same thing as well. So that's, that's an awesome way to also be an example. Um, and then I know before you said that you remember being worried when you're a young kid, which led you to have like maybe a, episodes of anxiety before. 
Are there any other uh, mental health struggles that you've experienced that you feel open to talking about? Yeah. Um, so I, like I shared, I have four kids and um, my daughter is my last and she has a bigger gap. So with all my four kids, I after birth, it was fine. It was normal. But after my daughter, I was very emotional, very depressed. And I never thought of it like that. And then, you know, postpartum. And I never thought it would happen to me or that would be something that I would go through. It was just different. And I finally caught myself and the doctor too. They know the signs and they finally said, hey, it's postpartum. It's normal. I think as a woman, you want to think you want to feel like you have it all together. And I'm like, this is my fourth kid. It couldn't be. Um, and having my fourth kid and um, my husband had worked out of state that year. It was just a lot. I owned my own business at that time. It was a different as a boutique. I just think it, I was just very overwhelmed. And I'm, I'm the type that wouldn't want to admit that I needed help. So I did follow up with my doctor. They did put me on antidepressants because it's just like something emotional. Like you can't really, you don't really understand yourself. You know, like, why do I feel like this? I can shake it off or no, I just need this or I need attention, or I just need help with the baby. But I'm really glad I did seek my doctor's advice and, you know, do the steps she needed. Uh, it was for a short period of time. I didn't want, I felt like I, you know, like my journey stopped at a certain point. I didn't need to be on antidepressants. You know, your life goes through changes, but I'm glad I did it when I needed to. And it made me feel better. And like, now I look back and I'm like, wow, I really did have postpartum. I never acted like that before. And I never, I was always like, I would never take medicine. I will never do this. But sometimes your body needs a little help, you know, and I was fine with that during that time. And I'm not, I tell my clients too, like, you know, cause I do see like girls who've had babies or, you know, I went through this in my life and I believe that, but I'm like, it's okay. It's okay to ask for help. Even if you're a mom, you don't have to be a super mom all the time. But, um, that would be another case in my life that I feel like I did. I mentally, I just wasn't stable enough. And, you know, like you don't think, oh, I like some people have different cases, you know, like I didn't think of ways to harm myself, but I was just so emotional, so drained. So I just felt so empty. And when I seeked help, it really did help me. I love that you shared that. That's so special. And thank you for being vulnerable and being, you know, speaking about that stigma about taking medication when it comes to mental health. And I think it's so fascinating how you said the, you didn't experience postpartum depression until your uh, fourth child, correct? Mm -hmm. um, so, and to put in perspective, maybe you were thinking, um, I did this before, and I guess it seems our minds can try to trick us to a point of, I did this task, I completed it, and I could do it again the same way. Um, but then our body comes in, like you were mentioning, and sometimes it's just out of our control. I loved how you mentioned how you were able to actually take the advice from your doctor. And I could only assume that was a scary step for you since you did uh, say you had a stigma against using medication, um, you know, taking the extra step of getting the help, you know, using the medicine effectively, and then actually feeling the difference and uh, progressing on about that after you were able to carry on. And also, I like how you pointed out Maybe, I don't know if it's coping mechanisms, but it was maybe things that you know that could benefit you, like you said, you know, getting time off or, you know, having someone babysit or, you know, I just need to do that and that. And then 
you were able to be self-aware enough to take that step back and say, I need to check in with my mind and I need to check in with my body and something's not right and address it and uh, use those resources forward. Is there any other thing that would you like to share about along that experience of the postpartum? Maybe um, the first sign that you noticed that something was wrong or maybe the sign that you knew that I'm feeling better and I'm ready to, to, you know, maybe get off the medication or anything along those lines. Yeah. I think the first signs were like, besides being, you know, after you have a baby, your hormones are, you know, mixed up, they're all up and down and, you know, you're, you're, you just went through a lot after having a baby. And I feel like I started catching myself arguing with my husband, like picking little fights, but not, not like having like, like shouting arguments, but like I would nitpick everything. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that's when I'm like, I'm crying. I'm not getting my way. Almost like a big brat. So I, I caught myself that way. Cause I'm like, this isn't me. I'm not a negative person. I don't, we, we don't argue that much. And that's when I'm like, dang, this is probably me. <laughs> What's going on with me on my side? Because Nothing really changed big on like my husband did already. He he worked, but he our plan was that he was going to come back because he had he went to school and he worked for the oil company and a different state. But we had a plan and we we're on it. We had our plan together and I knew it was playing his course, but I was just at the end impatient. And then I'm like, OK, I shouldn't be like this. I stop. I kind of stopped myself because I'm like, I don't want to be that person. And that wasn't me. And I never had been like that before. So that's when I'm like, you know, sharing this also with my doctor. Hey, like this, I'm not like this. I've been arguing a lot. I've been like complaining a lot. I have been very disirritable. I've been very like upset about everything. And obviously they know, like they can see changes. You know, I've had the same OB for all my kids. And to, you know, you build that relationship during pregnancy. And then after that's their job to, you know, pick up the signs. And then that's when, like, they're like, oh, yeah, you have this. And at first it was a hard pill to swallow. But once I knew I needed the help, I gave it a chance. And I'm really glad that I did because it made my life less stressful. I didn't worry as much. Like, I was able to be, like, clear-minded and pick your battles. No, nothing's perfect, especially after you have a newborn. You know, you have not that much sleep. And, yeah, I had other kids but I'm glad that I took that journey and I, I actually didn't like there. I'm sure there's so many girls out there that have a baby that don't want to give, give in, but it's not even giving in. It's more getting help and why waste time being unhappy and trying to fight your body when, you know, there's help out there. So I'm glad I didn't have to take the medicine that, that long, but like postpartum, you know, everyone's journey is different and it might be longer or shorter for others, but I knew when I was actually ready to be done with it because I just felt healthier. I felt happier. And towards the end, I started weaning myself off and letting my doctor know, because obviously you want to be letting your doctor know what your plan is as far as when it comes to medication. But yeah, I have no regrets now. Yay. Thank you for sharing that. And also, I like how you pointed out how you, uh, the process that you use to get off the medication I think that's also important because it can be if you're starting something new, such as a, a medication, um, and then you're not used to it, there could be changes amongst it uh, to find the right dosage. 
or find what works for you. But also, um, hopefully the goal is to get off that medication. And then uh, something I feel like that's not talked about a lot is how to go about the process of, you know, transitioning off of the the medication. And so Mm -hmm. you uh, just gave a really good example for anybody who wants to do the same as far as uh, communicating with your doctor, checking in with yourself, and slowly and incorporating that uh, medication. So I know we did the medication, but are there any other coping mechanisms that you use outside of that? You know, maybe day-to-day things, or I, I could assume maybe talking with your clients. But yeah, could you give us any examples of any other coping mechanisms that you use? Yeah, I actually... So after I had my daughter, I think I just had a lot of things that happened, like a lot of new and transition because I've always worked. I've always been a worker. I think that being at home with my baby because I had the opportunity to and my husband didn't want me to go back to work. So after I had my baby, she was probably about seven months, I want to say, or more. COVID happened. So then the shutdown didn't help. I'm sure a lot of people went through a lot with changes and everything when COVID shut everything down. So that didn't help me, but um, that was, I was still my journey. I was still like medicine and, you know, like changing and catching myself. But then I knew when I was ready and to make a bigger change, I had to keep busy. I think that's one thing that affected me. Staying home with my kids was a lot. And I've always like, I love my kids. Don't get me wrong. But I think when you have a work ethic of being used to like going back to work full time, you mentally you prepare yourself and you're ready, right? So I was staying home with my kids and a newborn and COVID. And like, I was that too. My anxiety was high around that time. I'm like, you know what? Everyone was like, I'm sure like everyone, what's going to happen? You know, like what's going on with COVID-19? Once everything started opening up, I feel like I was able to um, help myself by keeping busy. I had to create a schedule. I had to wear myself out almost mentally too. Like I knew um, I had to be back on a schedule because everything, my kids were homeschooled that first year. So that was a lot too. I think what really helped me too is having to keep busy. Towards the end of like the lockdown, I started becoming a part of like groups online because I was used to going to church Sundays and, you know, Bible studies sometimes on Wednesdays. So I connected with actually a group in California. Mm -hmm. Um, I really liked their church and Wednesdays we would have Bible study, but it was like a woman's group. So I was able to interact with them too. So like I had a schedule, I knew what I was doing and just interacting with other women that may not have the same problem as me, but like they, you you know, life's life, people have different struggles. And it was nice to like be able to interact with other ladies and talk about different things. I'm a talker. (laughs) Even my clients know I like to talk. Um, But I mm-hmm. think that's what really helped me get back on board. Like, okay, I'm good. I'm ready. Okay. So one question first, or how did you write out your schedule? Did you physically write it? Did you uh, use it on your phone or did you have a calendar posted in the kitchen or something like that? No, I had to like, I use my phone a lot. I tried doing, I buy the planners, okay. but I, I'm really bad at forgetting to write things down or not having a planner. So my um, phone became, you know, like everyone's best friend. We rely on it so much. But um, even that, mm-hmm. like, I would have my reminders because I, I I tell myself, I'm like, I'm so, like, forgetful. So I'm like, everything, if I put a reminder on my phone, I remember. But then with certain days and stuff, it was routine, so I knew. But putting reminders on my phone, 
I wish I was a sticky note type of girl. They say that helps, like getting sticky notes <laughs> and reminders. That's not me. <laughs> that's that's cool though, because now you can you know speak to the individuals who like to have the reminders on their phone and like their schedule on their phone, or who prefer that way. And just to um, like our goal is for our listeners, whoever can relate to wanting to incorporate uh, a busier schedule and just, you know, making sure they plan time for themselves. But also, you know, like you said, the interaction with others. So like finding a way of scheduling that works for, you know, you like your example, that can help others kind of identify Hey, I want to try this writing. I want to try, you know, the calendar on the wall or on my phone. So it can put it into perspective as there's, there's many options. You don't just have to try one and agree with it. You can try whatever works best for you. Hey guys, Alicia here, and I'm so excited to share with you a tool that I absolutely love when it comes to finding a therapist. So when I was in the Navy, I had a referral to get a counselor out in town, and I was recommended a website called Psychology Today. I love this website because it helps you find therapists, counselors, psychiatrists within your zip code, so you already know they're in your surrounding areas. But my favorite tool about this website is that you can narrow down by issues, insurance, gender, types of therapy, age, price. These tools are so important when you're trying to find a therapist, especially if you have a job or a certain healthcare that's covering your therapist. So guys, go ahead and start finding your right therapist, counselor, or psychiatrist today where you can view their profile picture, their background, and what they specialize in. I highly recommend this tool. I've used it myself and I know you guys are really going to appreciate it. We're going to go ahead and link the information in the bio and let's get back into the show. I love how you pointed out the groups that you found online, especially, you know, during a time like COVID where almost everybody can leave the house. Um, And are there any other examples that you could um, maybe share of what you did like inside of the house to stay busy with four kids i laugh because i don't know if it's a stress reliever but it calms me i don't like doing it but it calms me is never ending laundry at my house so that's like never ending but um but then during that time um I actually have an associate's degree in fashion design and marketing, so I know how to sew. So that time allowed me to break out my sewing machine and serger and beginning, like, I would, like, make these funky masks. Like, if I could get fabric or if I had old shirts or whatever at home, I, like, made time to, like, make fun just masks. At that point in my life, I was trying to be the um, do-it-yourself girl I didn't I'm not really like hands-on like that anymore because I don't have as much time but I like that I made time like for that at home like just doing something that I liked and didn't have time to do before because life kind of slowed down around that time and I think that's what happened I was a little antsy you know like wanting to go out you know like live a normal life but I think also it taught me a lot to slow down and enjoy the little things so, yeah, at home, I was, like, sewing. Uh, Unfortunately, I can't tell you I like to cook because I'm a horrible cook. But um, my husband's a cook. But I <laughs> I think that's probably a good thing because I'd be eating all the time. But 
that's kind of what I did (laughs) was the sewing. But I love that. Uh, I think there was two types of people during COVID. It was either slow down or speed up on whatever project you're working on. And I definitely identified with the the slow down crew. You know, like you said, now you can't go out and have the um, social life that you're used to. It gives you time to, um, you know, be present at home and catch up on any home activities or just things that you feel like you don't have really time to do. So mine was like catching up on their classic movies. Nice. Yours was the sewing, which I think is so awesome because... I just bought a sewing machine too, not too long oh, ago. Nice. It is so just losing, yeah. Yeah. With the awareness athletics, we like to talk about how working out can benefit your mental health. But for me personally, one reason why it benefits my mental health is because you're only focusing on the task at hand and you're not thinking about all the million things you have to do relating that to sewing is and I know like we talked about when you wanted to start the medication but are there any other instances where you remember how self-awareness helps you kind of check in with yourself or during moments of connecting with your mind and your body of uh, using self-awareness in that way or any other examples you can think think of that relate to that And I wish I would learn to do it more often, not when it's just something very dramatic, Um, but a year and a half ago. So, yeah, about a year and a half ago, my nephew passed away from um, accidental overdose. So, like, that made me stop and think, that's my, you know, like, that's my nephew. Like, what was he going through mentally? And I had just seen him a couple days before that. And it just like, this is, so this is my husband's nephew, but like we were, you know, he was close to the family and I took it hard. Cause then I see my, he was only in his twenties, you know, and I see his mom and I see like my husband and it's so hard for them. And like, I'm like, it's so hard for me. I can only imagine how they're going through what they're going through, not having him here that like really stopped me in my tracks again. So that just happened, um, two Christmases ago. And I like it changed a lot of how I think of things too. like not just me. And that's why like I really still try to instill stuff in my kids because younger kids go through so much. And like I just when I think about it, I'm like, okay, like I need to make sure I'm good. So I want to make sure my kids are good. Like it's something like I don't want to be quiet about. I need to verbalize with like checking in with my sister-in-law because I was her son or my husband still has bad days when he thinks about him, you know, like, and my kids were close to him too. So that was his, their cousin. So mm-hmm. my kids are very like shy and quiet, believe it or not. So am I, <laughs> but, um, when they saw what happened to their cousin, it hit them hard too. So like, I also had to make sure I was good, but to also tell them like, are you guys Okay. Like we, it was hard, hard for us to even like tell them what happened. We had to wait a little bit because they're young and we didn't want to traumatize them too. But we also wanted them to know like the situation and that they always need to be verbal and mentally okay. Like, because that like just was like a slap in everyone's face, you know, like it came out of nowhere. Um, it was two months before that my husband's sister passed away. So a lot, like a lot of traumatic stuff happened that year that mentally I like was like, dang, I'm like, I'm trying to be strong, but how are these other people being strong? 
So just being very verbal and reaching out to people, like making sure that, okay, you have to, you know, you don't like that saying is you don't, you pray for your friend because you don't know what they're really going through. And I hope that I can be a a safe space for people to come to and share, you know, their issues. Um, First of all, I want to say I'm so sorry for your, for your losses. And um, thank you so much for being able to share that with us and how it impacted your family and how maybe somebody else is going through the same thing and uh, hasn't yet uh, reached out or spoken up about it. And just emphasizing that it's okay to talk about it, to have the approach of um, providing a safe space to talk about grief and situations and you know those emotions that come up with grief. Uh, it's different for everybody and all situations aren't the same. And um, thank you for also sharing how It's important to be that example of to check in with yourself and also, like we say, um, putting on your oxygen mask in order to help other people stay strong, give them the strength to hopefully get to where you are, where they feel comfortable checking in with themselves and asking themselves if they're, you know, willing to get help and uh, building that confidence to talk to others about getting treatment or getting help or reaching out or even just talking about, uh, you know, the tough life situations that that will arise and how we handle the situation. To go along, again, about the topic of, it's, it sounds like your, your husband's family has been going through a lot and hopefully this podcast is, our goal is to help people find a story they can relate to and you know build their own confidence to start using the coping mechanisms or you know start to get help start to get therapy or you know starting a treatment but what other ways do you think is beneficial to help somebody out who is grieving who is going through this tough time what what are those other ways that you can verbally or physically show someone i'm here for you during this process of you going through this situation or you going through Um, this grief? I guess the number one thing, and I don't know why I hadn't said it, but I believe in the power of prayer. So praying for someone and with someone. I mean, there's just so much emotion that can happen when you pray with someone and for someone, especially if you get multiple people doing it. I mean, don't, I mean, don't call me religious because I don't think anyone, like you should label yourself religious, but I believe in God and putting him first. And, like, once you show that love, like, because that is the definition of love, I think it helps people greatly because some people may be at that point where they're saying, I don't have nothing to live for, but they really do because everyone has a purpose. You know, like, everyone has a purpose. Everyone has different timing. Everyone has struggles. Nothing's promised to be easy. But I've just noticed, like, when my husband's family and we went through these devastating situations and incidents two months apart from each other the same year i think what brought everyone together is knowing that you know like god will strengthen us you know like but having multiple people being on that same level to know and acknowledge you know like it's devastating we don't know why certain things happen but we look at the other side like how would that person want you to feel like my sister-in-law she wouldn't want to she was a jokester she was funny she was hard-headed she but she knew like we knew like even them they'll say well my sister wouldn't want me to be you know sad you know like my sister would want me to continue on or have good together 
um, my nephew, he had such a big spirit, like his personality, every person he you that knew him, knew him by his big smile and his big personality. And that's what they took away from it too. And that's just reminding ourselves like certain situations, if someone's gone through having a loved one, you know, pass away, like that's, you need to look at, try to look at the positive. You were able to spend time on earth with them for this amount of time, but like, look at the good. You did good with them. You did something fun with them. You got to create memories. And then we step back and like my nephew's birthday was the other day and we went to his um, gravestone and we sing happy birthday and, but my husband stops and he's like, well, we just had to think about like his happiness, you know? So I think just looking back at like the happy, cause in this world where there's so much mm-hmm. negative, you just, I think people pick to be negative or positive. I feel like sometimes maybe easy to be negative. Oh, poor me, or this happened to me, or I'm not bringing it past this, but that's not going to actually make your life better you know, to make yourself happy, you know, like thinking about the happy memories, think about the future, think about, you know, what's to come is I think a better path to take to handle a situation and just praying about it. And like when people feel lonely, you know, like you can still pray, you know, there's actually someone still listening to you, even if no one's there. So that's like the thing that's really helped us, I believe. Oh, I love that. It's so special. And so I love how you pointed out that, you know, you know, praying to God and praying to a higher power, but just using that as the strength and the guidance of finding uh, the compassion, love, and positivity during these, you know, uncertain situations. Like you said, we, we don't know why the tragedy happens and, uh, you know, why these un- unfortunate circumstances, you know, come about in life. And, but, Instead of focusing on the bad and, you know, the pain that can come along with these, I, I love how you pointed out that you're, you're really honoring these souls and these, and these individuals and, you know, these loved ones of, of for who they were and you know, what their spirit provided or once your family was able to have time with them and just really like emphasize on the light that they shined you know, on the people around them and within the community their positivity and their light shines on and, you know, stays alive when you remember, you know, the positive and the, um, the uplifting part about what it was like when they were here. So I I love that amazing example. And I'm so happy that you brought that up. I think a lot of people, including myself can relate to that. Uh, COVID was a hard time for everyone. And there may be you know, more listeners than we know that are grieving from then or, you know, from recent uh, situations or uh, events. And like you said, it's it's important to focus on who's here with you and what they're providing and how you can help and provide love. And uh, it goes both ways. So that was beautiful and then very well said. And I, I want to give a li- little bit of opportunity for you to talk about uh, whatever you feel comfortable of. With your business, because it, it just seems like you have such a, again, like we talked about the safe space of allowing your clients to talk, but also maybe could you give us a little like insight of like, like how valuable those relationships are that you are, you know, are fortunate to have a connection with uh, throughout yes. your day to day within um, your business? Well, I like appreciate all my like, all my clients that have come across over these last couple of years, I've built relationships with a lot of them. 
I have a lot of like regular clients have been with me from the beginning. I'm such like a people person. I think that's what (laughs) I missed too when I was like at home because I'm like, I love hearing different people's stories. I love like just, you know, like them when people open up to me. Um, And I am a safe space because like there's a confidentiality, you know, like form we release form and stuff like that. I like that they still feel comfortable in the space that I have. Like they, they can be vulnerable, you know, like I have clients that come to me that need help because they had weight loss or they want to lose weight or they have cellulite or, I mean, even clients have had plastic surgery and it's after the plastic surgery. So post-op care, I, um, appreciate them being able to have uh, trust in me because they come to me and you know it is intimate like as far as like women you know like I only service women but for them to feel like vulnerable with me you know like to see their scars to see maybe stretch marks to see um, areas that they're not comfortable with you know and don't want other other people to see but I think then we have this bond and trust that we have and they open up and they I get to learn about their family and Man, if they let me talk, they'll know everything about my family. <laughs> but um, I've created so many relationships. It's awesome. Like, I know mm-hmm. people from, you know, all different backgrounds, all different nationalities, you know, from different countries. And when I started my business, I honestly didn't know what was going to come of it. Because, like I said, like, Nebraska didn't have body sculpting yet. And, you know, like, everything starts in the big cities, Florida, California, Texas, the East Coast. So when me and my husband decided to start it, we're like, okay, we'll see, you know, like what happens. Like I had a small office, literally just an office, just a room and had a closet. I started building, you know, like relationships, my name. So a lot of my clients are mainly um, referrals because I feel like I've built relationships with one person. They're, they go and tell another person, hey, she's awesome. Like I'm not trying to brag on myself, but um, they, you know, it's word of mouth, it's referrals. And that's like... I take so much pride in that because there are other body sculpting um, companies that are starting to pop up. And I I, am excited for that because it's something that needs to happen and people can go to whoever they want. But when I have someone say, oh, I'm referring you this and that person, that makes me actually feel really happy because that makes me feel like, yes, they do trust me and they appreciate my work and they see what it is. Because a lot of people didn't know what it was before. And like I said, my husband, when we went into it, we're like, okay, let's see what happens. You know, like when I decided to finish all my training and like do it, my own business, I was kind of like, okay, well, what if this doesn't work? What if no one comes? What if like I don't do anything, you know? But um, slowly God provided. They started coming and um, it's been awesome since then. So I've grown a lot met a lot of people and I I continue to meet a lot of people. But the thing with body sculpting is like it had a misconception that it was only for people who had plastic surgery. And I was on that journey. I like researched plastic surgery too, but I have not gotten any done. But I actually like think the women that decide to do that are very brave. Like they, a lot of them go because they don't feel comfortable in their body. I always tell people like, clients that have had it or haven't to each their own you know like they're going through their own journey and I like appreciate that they come to me after it but I like hearing their story well I had a kid or I don't like this or I lost a lot of weight and needed to do it Bonita Body Lab is here to help women feel confident in their own skin naturally or after they have a surgery 
And I, so far, I think I'm achieving that. I've met a lot of people and have a lot of clients. And I thank God for that because, I mean, I didn't know where I would be um, a year. You know, now I'm a couple years in and, you know, like I have a good a good grasp of things and I'm doing good. So I think my business is here for a purpose. So I love that. And thank you for sharing. And, you know, I think your clients are very fortunate to have you uh, not only for the services, like you said, but for the the trust uh, that you also provide. And I think this could also, you know, not only like we mentioned before, you know, helping them with their physical goals, you know, you're providing whatever time it takes for each session. It's it's the time towards uh, the individual to have towards their self and, you know, take that uh, clarity back of how they how they want to feel and how they uh, want to feel physically and mentally and emotionally uh, once they had a service provided by you and just, you know, start moving towards a goal. You know, those goals as far as building confidence, this is another step that you, you're helping with to help or, you know, achieve that confidence in, you know, so many different ways. And I think that's, that's so special and beautiful. And I'm just, I'm so happy for you. And how, how you said it's expanding so quickly of word of mouth. That's so impressive. You know, it says a lot, you know, me being raised in Nebraska, I know the credibility of service of word, word of mouth because that's the most reliable resource. And to kind of, I guess, wrap up the mental health journey, I guess our question for you is, if somebody was starting their mental health journey, what advice would you give them uh, on where to start or how to start? I think that when people are going through something and they acknowledge they're going through something, I would think and hope that they would have someone that would be their safe space. But I think not enough people utilize like maybe the hotlines too, because maybe they don't have someone, you know, like everyone's family structure is different. But I know like, I feel like now back now in these days compared to like back when I was younger, not that long ago, but <laughs> I feel like they are really trying to promote that too, like promote and the, like my son's in high school and the back of his ID card has a suicide hotline. And I think that would be somewhere, too, they could reach out and get help, you know, like go to a church, go to, you know, like, I guess overall, try to be vocal about it. And being vocal means you have to speak to someone about it, you know, start there. And I think sometimes people don't open up to certain people because they don't want to hear what they have to say or don't in their head. They're like, they're just going to tell me to do this. But at the same time, hopefully that person would be open to advice, open to getting help finding that person, you know, like some people, like I said, I, I feel like I, some people keep quiet because they don't want to change or see different, like, or get someone else's opinion or want to be judged. But at the same time, I think if you talk to the right person or, you know, like hopefully they can give them good advice. Hopefully they'll find someone that'll be their safe space, safe, you know, person to like tell them their problems. Cause you know, problems big and small, you know, like, if it's weighing heavy on your heart, it's hard to open up about. But I just feel like there should be someone out there that will, you know, besides God, some people might not, you know, like, or like you said, a bigger power. But sometimes if you think about it, like meditation is so good for people and you you educate people with exercising. Like, I think that is just so stuff like that are definitely steps that people should take. Also, 
followed by other steps. You know, exercise, get your 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 mind right, get your stress levels down. Pray, prayer is a form of meditation. You know, it calms you, it can help you. And then reach out. I think that's so important. People have to speak, you know? So I think that would be steps. I'm not saying medication, you know, is the role in every situation, but I think a way of medicating is speaking, getting it out, not having it on your 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 chest. I think those are things mm-hmm. that would definitely would hopefully help someone. Those are amazing factors and um, key mechanisms that you pointed out. The uh, I guess the generation I grew up in maybe back towards that, which now, like you said, we're seeing pro- progression in um, you know mental health communities and support lines and uh, resources. But before, I guess, growing up, I would see so many, I guess the stigma was to uh, keep it all together and, you know, keep it all bottled up. And there was still a stigma against speaking out about um, things that you were upset about, you know, big or small, like you mentioned. And I think that's such a key skill to learn um, that I've personally recently learned during 2020 of how to talk about my emotions and my feelings because, you know, no matter what age you are um, or what background you come from, you know, it may not be common for you to, you know, talk about how you're feeling to a loved one. Some people don't have a trusted resource or individual or, you know, safe space to start speaking up about trends or you know, feelings or emotions, especially if, if you feel upset for any reason, big or small, it can, it can weigh uh, really, really heavy if you don't address it or approach it. I love that example. And we'll post at the end of in the show notes, a couple of few resources that mm-hmm. I like to promote for anybody who doesn't have their trusted uh, connection right now, which is um, volunteer listeners on online or, uh, you know, online support groups that you can talk to, uh, you know, or find anonymous, um, you know, hotlines, like we mentioned, we'll, we'll post the hotline um, resources below also. So again, Anita, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today and just, being vulnerable and sharing so much about, you know, your experiences and, and what you want to do for the mental health community and what, what you are currently doing. You're having such huge impact with everybody around you. And that is just so inspiring. And, and that's the goal of Awareness Athletics, the self-awareness podcast is to find what works for you so you can help others along the way. So, so thank you for being you. Um and I always like to say um, to our guests and, you know, just, just give yourself a little grace. I think sometimes a lot of us can um, feel so rushed and, you know, like you said, like to do everything. But coming from, you know, the self-awareness community, the mental health community, Anita, you're doing an amazing job. And we're so thankful you. to share your story today. For anybody who wants to connect uh, with you, with your business. Bonita Body 402. Um, and Facebook, um, my business phone number is on my Facebook too. Yeah, it's social media. I have a website too, but best is Instagram. I would say I'm not very Facebook savvy <laughs> and TikTok. I don't really get on that much, but yes, I'm welcome. I welcome anyone if they have any questions or anything or need someone to talk to. Hey, girl talk. <laughs> I'm here. Yay. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, thank you again for being on the show. And everybody, we're going to catch you later. So thank you for listening. Bye.